if you are listening or watching, this is the Mito Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Megan. And today we have Raquel. Oh, I just hit my desk. Sorry. <laughs> um, we, you know, I should have done, I should have looked this up before. I can't even remember which podcast we had you on. I was, I was thinking I was going to be prepared today and I'm not prepared. <laughs> Um, the Raquel was on with us last year and we wanted to bring her back one because we just loved talking to you. I mean, we love talking to everybody that comes onto the podcast, but you are one of the first people that I met, um, through Instagram that our children both had Lee syndrome. So Mm -hmm. obviously you have a special place in my heart and we've always kept in touch and you send me pictures of Ruby all the time. And I absolutely love it. It just brightens my day. Um, but I wanted to have you back on because I think it's important to talk about not just our beginning stories of mitochondrial diseases, but the stories of today and, and what has happened in the last year, because I think up till now, um, all of our podcasts have covered the beginning and we never get to hear back from all of these amazing parents that, that we get to talk to about what is today? What's a year like later? And what is the current journey of your mitochondrial disease story? So Mm -hmm. that's mainly why I wanted to have you back. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited just to see your lovely faces and to hear your voices. So before I ask you any questions, I just want to hear about Ruby. How is everything right now? How, How has the last year been with her progress with COVID, with, with all of it? Uh, I mean, by the grace of God, it's been, it's been good. Um, she has been really healthy. She's had a cold twice, which at first, of course, made me flip out. Cause I was like, is this actually a cold or is it not? Um, but I, we're very, very fortunate to have basically everything at home, uh, minus like extreme measures that we would need to provide care. So we have a cough assist machine. We have a percussion vest. We have a a suction machine. We have oxygen. Uh, I stole an Ambu bag from the last time we were at the hospital, just in case she were to need it. Uh, It was in our room anyway, and they would have tossed it. (laughs) They re-sanitized them. So I was like, I'll take that. Um, And we have a portable pulse ox. We have, you know, so we have basically everything, um, when we exhaust those, that's when it's time to go to, you know, the emergency room. But, um, but for now, yeah. So I, I knew I could handle it. A lot of times my nerves get in the way of seeing that, you know, things are okay. Like it was just a cold. My husband had to like shake me the first time he was like, she doesn't have a fever. Okay. Like that's where it starts. And I was like, no, he's right. He's right. I'm the nurse here. I'm like, I need to, <laughs> I need to get it together. Um, and, uh, but yeah, she's been really, really, happy like since being here she's you know kind of started to make a few more noises uh which just put me like through the roof they make me so happy um sure they can get on my nerves once in a while which she's been doing it forever, but <laughs> well I feel glad that it's her voice doing that and not like monitors and stuff just going off over and over so um so yeah she's been really good she was been napping which is why I'm out here um and then my husband got home I was like he's out I'm like <laughs> like you're up <laughs> but she's but she's asleep so oh, yeah it's been really it's been really good really stable that's always you know what I say when I, someone asks me how she is I say she's very stable I have no complaints so 
That's yeah, that's really good to hear. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, a situation that happened, uh, I guess, quite a few months ago now. Um, but it's always on my mind because, I mean, I always wonder how Ruby's doing and, and how all our Mito kids are. But um, mm-hmm. there was a situation where you had to take Ruby to the doctor and found out that she had a fractured leg. Right. Mm-hmm. Can you tell yeah. us how that and and kind of how you discovered that and, and what it means? Sure. So um, it's still a real a complete mystery and how it happened. We have absolutely no idea. Um, it was a random day. I think it was like February or something. And uh, I remember it was a Monday and she was in a bad mood the entire day which is not really not really her um but we couldn't figure out why and so my husband was like hey you know people have bad days once in a while so do kids it's probably fine I was like yeah you know what you're right like we've cared for her like nothing is really wrong so then Tuesday came around she was a little happier but like still pissed and I couldn't figure out why so then um but I, you know, I checked her vitals. I did neuro checks and, and they were fine. So I was like, okay, I guess it's just two angry days in a row. Um, but you know, I see like her full body every day and I didn't notice, you know, anything, although I look, I usually tend to look more in like the stomach area, like around the G tube, is she distended? Is she this? Uh, so then Wednesday rolled around and I was like, and she was in, she was more smiley, but, um, she just still was not really happy, uh, her normal happy self. So I, remember I had to get away from her because I was like getting fatigued. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna go walk on the treadmill. I'll leave her upstairs watching like Daniel Tiger or something. So I'm walking on the treadmill and I just started to pray. I'm like, okay, my mind's going crazy. I'm like, God, please just show me, like, show me what's wrong. Give me a hint of something because I'm starting to get upset. And I went upstairs. So I was done. I went upstairs and I went to check her diaper and I touched her leg and she like flinched. And this girl doesn't even move when she gets poked like for a blood draw. Um, so that's how I knew I was like, Oh my gosh, something's wrong. And so I took her, her leggings off and her left knee was like swollen. And for Oh, I think we lost you. My of my huge knee. Raquel. Oh, Wait. really? Oh no. <laughs> we lost you just for a second there. Yeah. We, we got you all the way up until um, her knee was swollen. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Then I didn't say too much more after that. Um, so I noticed her knee swollen. It looked like my... Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, when they had the arthritic knee. Um, and again, I was like, oh, my gosh. was... Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, no, we lost you again. Oh, no. Let me see if I can go to a spot in the house. That is a spot. <laughs> um, well, so anyway, so I noticed uh, that her, her knee was swollen. And I thought that maybe I was like, did I bang it on something? Or, you know, I don't, I don't know what's happening. But I, all I know is that... <laughs> I prayed for God to show me and all of a sudden there it was. And uh, 
So I asked my mom, cause you know, my mom's a nurse. She came home and she was like, yeah, you're right. Her knee is swollen. So I was like, you know, we're not going to play these games. I'm just going to call the pediatrician. So I called after hours and they said, okay, he'll call you in the morning. And he did. And we did a video visit. He already knows me. He knows that like, if I think something's wrong, I'll just call him right away. And he's like, all right, you know, what is it? You know, what is it now? And during the video visit, I was like, I have no idea what happened, but her knee is swollen. And he could see it on the video. He goes, oh yeah, it's swollen. He's like, what happened? I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. Like we're very careful with her. And so he goes, okay, let's not speculate. Okay. Like, let's just get her in for an x-ray and we'll see what, we'll see what they say. I was like, okay. So we went Friday morning. I didn't sleep like at all on Thursday night. Um, and I was up early and just to get my mind, uh, cause the x-ray was going to be at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I like put a full face of makeup on cause I couldn't sleep. And so I went to this appointment, like all glammed up because it probably looked like I was this like, oh my gosh, this like rich wife who's just taking her child to an appointment. But no, it was that it's just cause I couldn't sleep. And, uh, they did an x-ray first and we went into the room. I was like, you know what? It's probably just a swollen, like infection or something like, or maybe a sprained knee, no big deal. Calm myself down. And uh, the orthopedic doctor came in and he's like, it's a fracture. And I just started to bawl my eyes out. Like I just cried. I had black, like all down my face. And uh, he was like, it's okay. This, this happens. I was like, what do you mean this happens? I was like, we don't do anything with her. I'm like, she doesn't walk. How does she have a broken leg? And so I was like, is it the knee? And he goes, no, it's a femur fracture. And I just cried even harder. And I was just like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? Um, and you just feel like a terrible parent. Like we're giving these like beautiful, fragile kids. And we try so hard to take care of them. And all of a sudden she has a broken leg. How? Um, so he's like, can you think of a time when maybe you, you know, bumped into the wall or something? He's like, I'm going to tell you that she has the bones. Like she doesn't wait bear. Okay. He's like, she has the bones of like an 80 year old woman. You need to know that right off the bat. Okay. He's like, she basically has osteoporosis. That's what happens when you don't bear weight. He's like, so I think it's like your older patients. Cause he knew I was a nurse. He's like, it's like your older patients. They get osteoporosis because they're not doing weight bearing exercises and their bones get brittle. It's the same way. I was like, but she's four. And he's like, doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Um, so he's like, does she do physical therapy? I said, yeah, we do like standing. Um, I was like, we do kneeling. He's like, it was probably the kneeling. He's like, and it didn't take much. I can promise you that they probably barely tapped her knee too hard. And there, there it is. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, just crying and crying. And he said, she does, she's not going to need surgery because that's what I was afraid of. I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to need surgery. And he's like, no, we'll just put an immobilizer on her. Um, just be extra, extra careful. And I was like, we already are extra, extra careful. What are we going to have to do? Um, and he just said, come back in three weeks. We'll check it out. But no PT, no chiropractor, no nothing. She's going to have to just take it easy for three weeks. So we did. Um, which was, a, it was a little difficult, no pants fit her. <laughs> um, and it was February when I took her to that appointment, I think it was like two degrees oh. out. Um, so she had to come out. I just wrapped her in a towel cause I had nothing else to get in my car. I was like, okay, I guess we're driving home without pants. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, she basically didn't wear pants for those three weeks and <laughs> we didn't really go anywhere. Um, and then when we went back for the three week checkup, uh, gosh, like praise God. It was, he's like, it's basically healed. So he's like, I knew she would heal really fast. Um, he's like two more weeks off of PT and then let her have it, you know, like nothing happened. And so that's what happened. And I had only heard of like, when he explained it to me, like, oh, it's like your older elderly patients, it all kind of clicked. I just had no idea that 
this happened to little like little kids. Uh, he also told me that she's not the only mito kid he's ever had. Um, he said he frequently sees this with his patients, you know, that have CP or, you know, other things that are non-weight bearing, non-mobile. He said it totally happens. Um, and then he's like, you're lucky you didn't go to the emergency room because you would have had DCFS up your butt. And then I started to cry even harder because that was the other thing. Cause I, I was just terrified of anyone thinking that like, we didn't, we're not careful with her. We're not taking care of her. Um, cause we just try, you know, we, we try to give her like a, as good of a life as you know, we can. Um, so yeah, but her, her leg was totally healed. Um, it's a little, like, it looks a little swollen still, but that's just the new bone growth. Um, but all I know was it was traumatic. We still have, we still, we've all racked our brains. We have no idea how, how it happened. But um, he said also that she is not the first or the second uh, child with lay syndrome he's ever, he's ever taken care of, which I was like, what? It's like yeah. that thing. Um, and he goes, Oh yeah. Like in Chicago, when I was at Lurie's, you know, he's, yeah, she's not the first or the second. He's like, I just, she might be the first one like out here. Um, and I have only heard of something like this one other time, but because Ruby was so small, I never thought it would be her. Um, we got her like a super cute feeding tube backpack through this one lady on Facebook where her son, I think has CP and he's like, you know, 12 or 13. Um, and, uh, she had put out a status that said, Oh, I'm going to be MIA for a while. My, I was changing my son and, and, you know, he's a big kid. So she's like, I was changing him and I heard a pop. I thought it was his hip that's happened before. So we called an ambulance and it was a total femur fracture. And she was like, so he had to have surgery. He has a rod in his leg. So we're doing PT right now. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, thank God that that won't happen to Ruby because you know, she's so small. Well, guess what? Yes, it did. Um, so that was how that whole traumatic situation. Yeah. And oh, go ahead, Megan. Oh, I was just gonna say that's interesting. I I would have never known that that just if you're immobile, I mean Troy's mobile, but that mm -hmm. you would think your muscles atrophy, but you don't think about the bones, the bones becoming brittle. I had no idea that that was, that's wow. And when like yeah. how you explained it, like it, it completely makes sense. And it's such an easy explanation too. Like mm -hmm. think about our older community living in rest homes and, and not walking around and losing that ability to be mobile and having broken hips or bones or, or whatever, it wow. is and you don't relate that to children yeah. but it's exactly the same thing because mm -hmm. they can't move and they are immobile um and I wanted to I wanted you to talk I'm going to put you on the spot on this one yeah. but um, what broke my heart when I first when you first told me about this was <sighs> no I'm going to cry <laughs> it's not something to cry I think I'm just emotional today <laughs> um same. How, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> how scared you were to post anything on social media. Mm -hmm. And, and I totally understood why you were scared and people not understanding that when you have a disabled child, these things come up and the mm -hmm. fear of other people thinking you did something wrong or you hurt your mm -hmm. child or I just, it kills me. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that it's, and you like, you talk, we talk about things about anything. And so like, 
and I, I wouldn't call us like outspoken, but we're comfortable with speaking. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about like all of the families, the parents, the moms and the dads that are not comfortable with that and how much they're holding in and how much they're not saying on social media, whether it's because they're a private person or they just don't have support, you know, and, and relating to that in a sense is it's kind of the same as after, like after Angie passed away, people don't know what to say or they say the wrong thing. And and so I, it just made me really sad that you couldn't use that as a form to either find comfort or to just share. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm still scared. Barely. I didn't tell like, because my family were on like a, what's it called? A WhatsApp where there's like 30 of us, you know, like on, and you know, a couple times a week we'll all like say hi and stuff. I didn't even tell them for like two whole weeks just because I was like, I feel like I was, and I know my family, they're very sweet. They're very supportive, but I was scared of them being, of somebody just being like, looking at me funny and being like, so what happened? Because I would have just like crawled into a hole and like not talked to anybody. And as I, I don't know if you remember, I told uh, you, Ashley, there's this one lady that I have followed on Facebook since before I had a baby and she has a daughter. I don't remember what her condition is, but she has a trach. Like she has a little bit of like malformation and, and, um, she made a post of her just like totally crying. And she, she loves to post pictures of her daughter and educate people. And she said that like somebody had said like, Oh, well you constantly like keeping her alive is like child abuse. And that person reported her to her local like DCFS. And this is like just on Facebook. And she talks about like, you know, the area she lives in, she doesn't give her address, but she, she's like, Oh, I'm in this, you know, small town in this state and whatever. And so that person like contacted like police and they said like her doing all of this extra stuff, like having a nurse, a trach doing suctioning, whatever was, you know, considered child abuse and they should just let whatever happens happen, like basically. And she made a post and she was just crying. I hadn't even had a kid yet, but I'm an emotional person anyway, but I like cried with her and I was like, how could somebody do that? And then, and she even said, this isn't going to scare me away from sharing my life. And I was like, good for her. And then something like this happened to us. And I was totally silent about it because I was terrified of somebody being like, what did you do? And then like, it makes me want to cry now. We just try so hard to just to take care of them. And we were, she's practically a bubble like child, you know, and it happened anyway. Um, You know, I don't know the reason for it. I just know that, you know, I was a complete, like I'm already a semi hermit, but I was a complete hermit those three weeks. We didn't go anywhere unless we absolutely had to. Um, So it was like twice. We left the house like twice in three weeks. (laughs) And I had no choice, you know? And so and her leg would just be like sticking out of the stroller. It was like, it made me laugh <laughs> because I was like, what else can you do? And so I had her like, you know, in a blanket cause it was four degrees outside. And then she had the immobilizer on, on a support. And so you just had her legs sticking out like everywhere. So I was trying not to hit it, you know, like on, <laughs> on things. And so I get to the car and I would be teary, even though the trip was fine. I got back to the car and just was teary eyed, but I just would laugh. Cause I was like, okay we've adjusted to weirder things. All right. Like, let's just keep, keep going. But yeah, I didn't say a word. And most anyone like 
who follows me on Instagram and who listens to the podcast would have no idea. I didn't put it anywhere. I still haven't because I've still, I'm like, why am I afraid? I'm just going to do it. And then when I'm about to do it, I'm like, hey, you know, now's not the right time. I'm just going to, I'll save it for another time. Yeah. I think um, people I- just, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Ashley. <laughs> I think people just don't understand. They just don't understand unless they live your life. I mean, even with between the three of us, even though we have kids with Mido, we have such different journeys and you, no one understands unless they literally live your life. And my husband Mm -hmm. and I talk about that all the time, just especially with this pandemic and trying to explain to people, no, we can't go do this. No, you can't come over. No, you know, we can't do these things. And even still now when everybody's getting out and doing stuff, it's like, you can tell people, oh, my child's immunocompromised or, you know, all these different things and explain to them, but they just don't get it unless they live your life. Even sometimes family, you know, Mm -hmm. we have family members that I just think just don't quite get it. And so especially out there on social media and different things. I mean, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know that if you were immobile, that your bones might become brittle, you know? So, you know, if I hearing your story, I would have been like, oh my gosh, like what happened? You know, knowing you a little bit, I wouldn't have thought anything bad, but people are, they just don't, they don't understand. They don't have the information. They don't know. And they jump to conclusions. I think a lot of the times and shame yeah. on yeah. those people. people. People rely on social media as if they're getting your whole story. Mm -hmm. I know everything because I read one post and it's, and that drives me crazy. And I've had a couple interactions with people, not necessarily like about Mido, but just in general, where they think they know the answer. They think they know that person or that family just based off of one post. And it's like, no, why don't you go ask them? Like, instead of, instead of thinking they're this horrible person or, or, their beliefs are wrong go have a conversation because you're going to find that you're completely wrong like what you're guessing their life to be is is not um but so yeah so that it just broke my heart that that you you couldn't post on social media I I totally get why I mean there's a lot of times that I there's a lot of things that I could say that I don't post as well Mm -hmm. um but I also wanted to use this as an opportunity to tell families that are listening or that are watching that, no, you don't have to post everything. And, I, and I'm using social media as an example because mm-hmm. it's how I met everybody. It's yeah. how I found you. It's how I, how I find everybody that we have interviewed on this podcast, pretty much, with the exception of maybe... I don't know, five people, <laughs> but it, it's a huge outlet. And so, no, you don't have to post everything. And, and definitely for things like this, where you have an actual fear that someone might report you for not knowing the whole story or not even really knowing you or your family, that is completely understandable. But for other things, I would hope that you almost feel empowered to talk about just your Mito journey, because there are people that need there are people that want to hear this story and there are a lot of people that are hiding in the shadows not knowing what to do and and not knowing how to take that first step um with Mido and and the more people that talk about this the more 
posts and the more coverage that we can get, regardless of what it is, it's going to finally someday catch on. And, and one day we're going to get the recognition that this disease this needs that mm-hmm. it needs to be known. And the only way that's possible is if you share and if you, if you tell your story and that's kind of another reason why we started this podcast is have a different form, a different way for people mm-hmm. to hear that it's okay or to hear that their story isn't strange or messed up or the worst one or the best one. Like there's people living your life and you don't have to be alone. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Even like, I told my husband, I was like, I don't really want to post about it. He's like, why? He's hardly on Facebook. He's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. And I told him why. And he's like, I mean, I understand, but you know, he's like, who cares? This is what happened, you know? And we didn't do anything wrong. I was like, I know, but, and he's like, well, just we, it's nothing that we did. Okay. He's like, it happened. And you know, we just have to let her heal. And then I had some really, really nice encouragement from um the ladies in like my small group from church when I was like I feel like such a crap mom like what did what did I do like how did I let this happen and one of them who was very very sweet she has two little boys with uh, spina bifida so she knows like she is so helpful and she like knows like this journey it's not Mido but she knows how hard of a journey you know it is she's like no she's like don't go down that road because it's going to be hard to turn back and so she's like you didn't do anything wrong and that's it just cut it off there. You know, she's like, that's it. You didn't do anything wrong. And now she needs to heal. She needs you to make her smile. That's, that's your job for these next three weeks. So I was like, okay, that's my job. That's my job. I'm like, okay. And, uh, and it, it helped a lot. Um, and even now, sometimes I'll, while I'm like bathing her, I'll look at like her bigger knee and I'll just look at it and be like, I have no idea how you got here, but whatever. And we just have to keep, you know, and I try to just forget about it because it is healed. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Um, when we went up for the follow follow up x-ray, I saw all this new bone growth uh, there and he was like, looks great. And so I was like, Whoa. oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. And just as quickly as it came, it was like three full weeks with the immobilizer. And then all of a sudden it was over. And, and he's, so he said like, but just like a normal, use normal, I like to use average, just like the, like a normal child, kids heal fast. He's like, you know, that didn't, have an effect so and he also said that sometimes it can with mito because they need the cells like the cells have to regenerate and it's harder so he said it might take a little longer but they heal fast just like your average child i was like hmm interesting i'm like okay so so that was enlightening too i hadn't even like really thought of how mito could affect bone healing yeah yeah that makes sense too yeah so i hope somebody takes my fear and uses it as like encouragement. Um, if, if that does happen, I hope that they know, like if there's a random arm or it doesn't take much, if you're holding your child, like if they're like Ruby and they're not mobile, if you're holding them and you barely graze the wall, just know that it could possibly happen then. And it's through no fault of, you know, fault of your own. If they're mobile and great, you probably are going to skip that part of, you know, the, mito journey but um apparently it doesn't take much so that's what we were told he's oh and he also ter- terrified me and said it's probably not going to be the only one she has in her life which i was like we'll see about that <laughs> <laughs> we had uh when troy was oh it's probably been 
five or six years now, but um, he was riding one of those little cars. And Troy's, when I say Troy's mobile, I mean, he can walk, but he walks with a walker or with our assistants. Yeah. Um, but he was on one of those little push cars and he would ride that thing all over. And, you know, like you said, with parents with special needs children, and especially, you know, with diseases that are fatal and that we, we keep such a close eye on these kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm running right next to Troy the whole time, holding on to his kind of his little back and, you know, and he mm-hmm. literally, he doesn't have a fall reflex. He literally hit like the little car, hit a rock, flipped over and crashed right into his chin, into the sidewalk. And, you know, there was literally nothing I could have done. Even wearing a helmet, nothing. It didn't matter because he hit his chin and he doesn't put his hands down. And so even as careful as as we are, these things happen. And Troy went for three days and he's not a big crier. And he was a little bruised, but he was eating, doing everything. And then on like the third day, he just was like you said, was very cranky, was kind of crying a little bit. And I was just like, this is not right. And we took him into the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, he seems he was in perfect spirits. He was, you know, babbling and doing all this stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm sure there's nothing wrong. And he literally had fractured his jaw in two places. And we had to take him immediately to the emergency room. And he had to have surgery, he had to have a plate put in his chin. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what? what in the world, you know, it's like, you try to be so careful. And I was even thinking when you're saying, you know, you look on their little bodies trying to check things. My husband now gives my son a bath because he's just so big. I can't Mm. lifting him out of the tub just kills me. And it's like, that would be the time that I was always checking his legs, checking everything. And so now I'm constantly asking like, you see any rashes or any, you know, anything like abnormal, (laughs) like I'm, I'm not in there anymore. So but it's like, we're just so careful with them. And it's just, you know, these things happen. And yeah, you just have to say, you're doing the best you can. You're doing the best you can. And, you know, and we're good parents, <laughs> even when we don't feel like it. So. Yeah, I like really, I tend to like obsessively watch how my husband like does things with her. So when I ask him like, oh, can you change her? I'll see him like, what what looks to me like pull her leg too hard. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, you want her leg to break? And he's like, I'm barely holding it I didn't even pull it I'm like are you sure though and he's like look I got this okay like go do something else I'm like all right all right fine (laughs) I do the same thing that totally sounds like my husband and I my husband will like kind of pull Troy out of bed I'm like oh my god be careful with his legs he's like are you serious (laughs) exactly so like he told us because we usually would change Ruby the normal way like you know grab both of her legs pull up really quick and then slide the diaper under and the orthopedic doctor said you might have to start turning her now because it's big and you don't want to pull on the leg too hard, you know, re-injure or anything like that. And, and it is, it's a little less convenient. Um, and I'm trying to get used to it. I've forgotten a few times and I've been like, Oh crap. And fine. So uh, a lot of times it's just getting out of here. You know, it's getting out yeah, of your own exactly. head that it has to be done this way or this way, whatever's the safest, obviously. Um, but it's just being extra, extra careful when you already are extra, extra careful. <laughs> so exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm so still here. Can you guys hear me? We can we hear can... you, but we can't see you. We see the yeah. lovely. <laughs> decided Our that logo. I <laughs> yeah, I was like trying, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom decided that I don't have a camera for some reason. <laughs> Uh, it was working a minute ago. Now it won't let me even turn it on. <laughs> um, so as long as you can hear me. <laughs> yeah. 
real quick, I wanted to also cover one. Well, I have other things I'd love to cover, but one thing that popped up while you were talking earlier was you mentioned like you time, like having mom time, having dad time. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because I think it's so important for all of the reasons that we're bringing up today is the, the, how, how much care we put into our children, Mm -hmm. um, how much we watch over them, the things that we like, um, nitpick on, like you were just saying, like, if it's not done your way, it's, it's basically like you're doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you do it my way, it sucks. (laughs) But, and, and also like you were talking about earlier with, um, when Ruby was in a, in a bad mood, you just needed to step away. And I think it's really important because I felt that way with Angie. I mean, Angie was on my head all the time. Like the only time that she wasn't with me was if I had to be at work. Um, mm-hmm. Even my work schedule was cut in half to what it was. So I was really only away from her four to five hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I always treated that as my time, even though it wasn't me time. Mm-hmm. And I could feel myself like getting stressed out or um, putting so much pressure on myself. And I would, and it was very rare when I did this, but whenever I did let Andrew take her and just give myself 20 minutes, 30 minutes or whatever, it really helps you become like, come back better. Like, you don't realize the stress that you put on your own shoulders and how much of the world you're carrying until you get that like 20 minutes of you time. And then you can come back and, and be more level-headed and take a deep breath and reassess the situation. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand you don't need to feel guilty about taking you time. Like it's important. It It is going to make your day better, your child's day better, your, your partner's day better, whoever is helping you. Um, cause as much as we want to be able to do everything a hundred percent of the time, you can't, and it's okay. It's okay to not be able to do it all. And it's important for everyone to hear that because, because of that, because of that pressure we put on ourselves. So if you need anyone today to tell you, you can't do it all. I'm here for you. (laughs) You can't do it all. You need a break. You need a moment. And I don't mean like, let's go on a girl's vacation this weekend, or you need to take off for a week, or you need to be gone for the full day. I don't mean that. I mean, you need to take a few minutes. You need to take a a breath of fresh air, even if it's a walk around the block, like that's important. Um, Is there anything that either of you two do that resets things for you? Well, first of all, amen again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, it's, it's a hundred percent true. Like I don't need a full day away from her, but I do need like 20 to 30 minutes sometimes. Um, and I can, I can feel when it's coming. And then I also feel not only is it like, you know, the buildup of like, you're gonna, you're going crazy, but it's also the guilt, like, and you feel shame for feeling like that about your child too. So it's a double-edged sword, no no matter what. 
Um, I try to walk on the treadmill. I love to sew. So a lot of times I'll do like sewing projects. Like I made an outlander dress, like an 18th century dress that took me like three weeks, but I did it like a few hours at a time. And that was my, like me, you know, me time. Um, I could use the excuse of just sitting and zoning out on my phone, but even I get tired of that. Like I'm tired of having a smart being able to do that. Um, I'd rather just use my hands and do something that doesn't require me to think about dosage or meds or that, you know, type of thing. So I started walking on the treadmill and that'll be without her there awake or not. I leave her in the room. I'll put on a cartoon and I'll just go into the basement and walk on the treadmill. Um, so that or sewing, those are my two. Megan. Um, I'm really bad at that. Um, Tony will, my husband will tell you that. Um, I run, but I typically run when either Troy's asleep or, um, you know, he's doing something with someone else in a sense. And to me, as much as I do run a lot, I don't consider that necessarily me time because it's hard work. <laughs> um, I, okay. I know that. And then when I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did that with no distraction. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I have to work on doing more me time. That's actually something that I enjoy. So that's, it's, it's hard for me. And I know it's, it's not definitely, like you said, it's not a good thing because, you know, I get super stressed out about stuff. I'm such a worrier that it's not even funny. And I know when that stuff starts to build up and I don't give myself some time away that everybody pays for it. <laughs> so not typically Troy, but I, I know that, you know, I'm definitely, I'm not in my best spirits when I'm with him. So um, yeah, that's something which I'm sure many moms can say that I need to work on and I have, I have support. So it's, you know, it's not definitely something I can't do, but it's something that I need to work on something besides running. <laughs> yeah. I have to be forced into it sometimes. Yeah. So understand like my husband, take her, sit down, like to play a video game or something. And he's like, off with you go do something else and I'll be like eh, but I wanted to do this he's like no just go do something else because I'm going to hear about it later so basically he'll know yeah. for it later so he's like <laughs> something I'm like okay if you're going to force me and then I'll just take off <laughs> like, I'll out of the driveway and just go to the store to get something and then come back yeah and that's definitely easier said than done I mean I yeah. could reach on here and tell you all to be so motivated to go take 20 minutes but I, I'm horrible at it too. I'm horrible at it now, especially when I had Angie. It's easy mm -hmm. for me to be able to say, go take 10 minutes because Angie's not here with me. And I know, I even I remember thinking back then, like, yeah, like when you see people post, oh, you need to have your me time. You need to have, <laughs> they would like lay out all the things. And I'm like, you are not a special needs mom. <laughs> It's not that easy and it isn't, it's not at all easy. It's, it's might be even harder to figure that out than to just stay and take care of your child. But in the long run, mentally, it's super important. And it could even mean going and reading a book for 10 minutes. Um, I mean, I, I feel like you need to do something like energizing for your brain and for your body, but it, everybody's different. Everybody, everybody's wheels turn differently. What inspires you, um, is the thing that you should do because when you come back, 
and you go see your child, you're going to have a new smile on your face. It's not going to be the same smile. And there's a lot of times where I would be fake smiling with Angie and, and I never, I didn't want that. I, and I always, I never wanted her to see me cry or to be stressed and Mm -hmm. held that until she went to bed or I was in the car driving somewhere, not with her. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's important. It is, as, even if it's just a couple of minutes. Um, and, I, and I don't need to go and feel the stress of finding a babysitter or something like that, because that would, that would stress me out too. We didn't do that. <laughs> but yeah. allowing it, it, my husband. But it does. It, this just life has an effect on not only like, you know, yourself or you're like, just take 10 minutes, but it has an effect on your relationship. Like Jack and I, there was a lot of factors that brought us to the point where we needed counseling or we weren't going to make it. And we did, we did almost a year of counseling and, you know, it was just the financial stress, just this life, like adapting to adapting in different ways to her diagnosis and the day to day, but not doing it together, you know, and it, it really, it started to, and not that it's not her fault or the diagnosis, just, we, uh, we got to a point where we were just dealing with everything separately. And so it, it, it really does. Some people, I'm sure it just immediately brings the relationship closer for us. It just didn't do that. And we, we had to, come to the conclusion of like, oh crap, like we need, we need some help. So we did that for a full year, Uh, you know, at least half of it had to do with her diagnosis and just how stressful it is. It causes us financial fights. It, you know, causes us to worry. Um, And then our counselors who were very, very nice, but they were like, you guys need to get out and have dinner like once a week. And we honestly laughed and we started to laugh. (laughs) We looked at each other and looked at them and we were like, oh crap. Uh, oh, you're serious? Yeah, no. <laughs> and he's like, okay, what about once every two weeks? Nope. He's like, what about once a month? We're like, no, this is not going to happen. He's like, can you try once every three months? We're like, we can totally try once every three months. But that was just the advice they give everyone. And when he said once a week, yeah, we both <laughs> busted out laughing. And we were like, ah, oh crap. No, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So, and but that's just reality. Like we could maybe find someone that we feel comfortable with, which is like three people, uh, maybe once every three months so that him and I can just do something together. And a lot of times, even now that doesn't really happen. Obviously there's a pandemic, but, um, you know, that affects that, but even pre it's, it's a hard to do. So we are so used to taking her with us everywhere that that's just, that's just life. And they're like, yeah, but you guys need to be like away from her just once, even for one or two hours. And we were like, is that even possible? I don't know. Like, and you know, and there's, it's good when you are able to do it. There's also tons of guilt associated with that. Um, but, uh, cause as much mom guilt as I have, like he tells me he has dad guilt all the time, which is something I didn't even think about. I thought guys like just didn't have it. I thought they were like, well, see you later. I'm going to go do this. And they didn't think about it, but he was like, oh no, I think about her you know, constantly, I think about both of you, I'd rather be here, you know, with both of you. So also just want people out there to know that like, if there comes a time where it all comes to a head and your it's affects your marriage, I want to say it's probably normal too. And you need some help, please go get it. It's totally worth it. Um, you come out the other side of it, just learning a lot and how to support each other, because we don't always know how to support our 
spouse or partner, like with this, we know what we need. Sometimes we don't even know what we need, but we can't, you know, we can't just get stuck in that, uh, in that spot of, you know, not knowing what to do, you know? So finding someone who can guide you guys through that is really, is really great too. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, and I know it's really hard for people to reach out for that help. It's really hard to admit you need a counselor. Um, it's, and, and that isn't just with what we're talking about. That's in general. It, right. It's much like a, a, it's a frowned upon um, mental health need. And it, and it shouldn't be. It should be normalized. It should be where everybody almost should be required to go see a counselor. And it is also really hard to find a good counselor that either resonates with you and then bringing in a couple like resonates with both of you. That's difficult. (laughs) But if you love each other, you love your family, it's, it's, and you guys are, are at that point, it's something worth to try. Um, and I think, it's important to mention how you were saying about dad guilt. Um, someone had said to me a while ago, and I, I, I honestly don't even remember who it was, but they said something about, uh, not necessarily Andrew, but kind of, um, but guys have it so easy. <laughs> like I started laughing. I was like, are you for real? No, mm-hmm. they don't. They do not have it easy. They have it extremely hard because nine times out of 10 men are not comfortable with talking about their feelings. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that every woman is either, but you see it more often. I mean, we will pour our hearts out and tell you every single thing that like yesterday I was talking to my sister and all of a sudden, like 20 minutes later, I was like, wow, I had no idea. I was stressed out. <laughs> and I had just listed all these things that were going wrong. And guys typically don't do that. And if they're not doing it with you, you're the person they married, the person that they are supposed to be able to confide in, they're not doing that with their best friend. They're not doing that with their mom or their dad or, or, or anybody else. So kind of give them a little slack because they probably are really stressed out and are hurting inside and have no way of being able to emotionally say it out loud. They're trying to be, and I'm, again, this is a generalization. This is not every guy. It's not every woman, but growing up, you're taught, you're taught that they have to be the strong one, that they have to carry everything. And, and it sucks for them because that's not how it should be, but it's something that in the world, we need to find a way to be able to break out of. And unfortunately, when you're in a situation like Mido, or any disability or like illness, it's, it's tenfold and you have to be able to be patient with each other. So taking that mom time or taking that dad time or taking that us together, our couple relationship time, that's important because you still have to grow together. You still have to be partners. You still have to figure out how you're going to live this life together. Um, so I think that's a really, really good uh, point that you brought up. Yeah, it's, I, I married someone who's a very almost extreme introvert and doesn't talk about his feelings. So that was, that was difficult. Um, and, uh, but you know, 
like I said, we went through one like counselor slash therapist. I don't know. I don't know what their distinctions are, but we went through one that just didn't. I mean, he listened, but that was it. Like he didn't give us any tips, any, anything. And we, so when we left there, he went to go see him first alone. And then I went with him. And after that, I was like, okay, we're done with that guy. <laughs> That's not a good fit. And he's like, no, I was like, no. <laughs> and my husband's such an introvert that he would have kept seeing him for a year, <laughs> but even though he wasn't a good fit, cause he's like, Oh, I don't know what, how to say that. I don't know how to say like, no, what's not a good fit. I'm like, easy. You say, no, this isn't a good fit. Sorry. <laughs> like, so we found, uh, we got counseling through our church. And so they were really, it, it was a couple, you know, so not only was it like marital, you know, issues, but they were like, more people when you get something like this like your child is sick and like it's stressful and more people need to reach out before real problems start you know because you just start dealing with it alone or you don't deal with it together and I was like yeah we probably should have done this like at the beginning but we didn't we're here now like so so yeah very very uh it is really important but I'm we're still not good about getting out um so we just bring her with us (laughs) which defeats the purpose um have fun you know we have fun doing it we'll go for a walk she loves going for walks like with a, I mean she's in the stroller obviously uh or her wheelchair but um she loves when her dad's like pushing her around and it makes him smile it makes him happy he's like I love just the three of us you know being together that feels nice so I'm like exactly so you know spending time together maybe not a hold up in the house like we have been but <laughs> doing you know things that really it's good for it's good for the soul so I totally agree. <laughs> uh, I know I should be cutting this podcast off by now because it's been so long, but I do have one last thing and it kind of goes along with everything that we were talking about right now. Um, I had someone reach out to me recently. Well, I have, I, I probably have, I don't know, at least once a month, if not more new families that find me on Instagram that reach out to me. And, wow. and yeah, it's, I'm really thankful that people are finding me. I don't know how they are because I actually don't think it's from the podcast. I think um, they just find I, pictures. I don't even remember. I, it might've been, I followed the hashtag of like Lay Syndrome and I saw Angie's face and I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm gonna follow her. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. It's whenever someone writes me, they always say, I found your daughter. <laughs> and I think oh, it's that's crazy. Amazing. It's amazing. And I'm happy that they do, but um this mom reached out to me and, um, she, most of everybody that reached out to me is having a hard time because they're in the beginning of their story or, or they're just struggling or they're in the hospital. And she asked me, you know, or she said, I don't know how you do it. I I feel like if my, my daughter dies, I want to go with her. Hmm. And it's really, really hard to hear that. Um, because, and she asked me how I, how, how I feel, how I get through it. And it's, it's not about the getting through it. And it's more for me. And that's, this is what I'm leading to, to asking you guys on how we do it. But, um, it's, it was never a question in my mind that I wasn't going to outlive Angie. It was never a question in my mind that I wasn't going to survive her death. The, what drives me is sharing her. And Mm -hmm. and when she was alive, it was about being with her and having, it it sucks. Like 
I never, I mean, you never want to hear that your child is terminal, mm-hmm. but the moment that we were told that both Andrew and I were like, okay, this is surreal, but we're going to give her the best fucking life that we can give her. Mm-hmm. And sorry for anyone that doesn't want me to cuss, but it, it puts the right emphasis in there because it's about them. It's about giving them this incredible, beautiful life. Whatever you can do, whether your child is immobile, mobile, whatever it is, it's about bringing life to them. And, and once their life is, is, once their journey ends, it's about bringing that to everybody else to help Mm -hmm. everyone understand this soul that you got blessed with, that you got to raise, that you were chosen to have in your life. And regardless of what your belief system is, whether you believe in a God or you don't, it doesn't matter because this child you created and Mm -hmm. it, and, and that is a scary topic, I think for people, because there's a lot of guilt about, giving your child this disease. And I'm just going to tell everybody right now, it is not your fault. Mm -hmm. It's not. There is no other explanation. Like it's just, it's not, you didn't choose it. It happened. (laughs) It's genetic. Genetics is fucked up and I'm sorry. It it's messed up, but you didn't choose your child to have, yes, your dreams are going to change. You're not going to have the neurotypical life you thought you were going to have, but you have this beautiful and they look up to you. And regardless of how genetically it happened, you didn't choose this for them, but you are able to make the choice on giving them a great life and fulfilling it for yourself too, about being the best that you can be with the situation that you were in. And it kills me when people say, I don't know how I'm going to survive because I cannot imagine living my life, not talking about Angie. And I will never be able Mm -hmm. to do that because I feel it's so important to get her story out no matter how long she's been gone. And I think going back to what we were talking about earlier about social media and sharing your story. No, I don't think that you have to put everything out there, but it's so important to understand the life. It's so important to understand these children and, and all of the different ways that you can live and be happy regardless of it not being what you thought your dream is going to be. Um, Sorry, I'll get off my yeah, phone. your dream just talk. no, it just it just changes, you know. And also another thing was really important, which I learned in counseling was that it's okay to like it's okay to mourn while your child is still here. You're mourning what you thought it was going to be like. Um, I had that told to me by a mom, like an old coworker and fellow nurse, whose son has a brain injury. Um, he was born perfectly healthy there. They had an accident when he was like 18 months and he's basically a quadriplegic now. And she helped guide me through those few months. And that's why it's so important. You need, you need other moms. You need them so badly because I, I reached out to her, but I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And she was like, 
it's okay to mourn just so you know she's like it sounds bad and it sounds like well no that means that you know you know you only mourn like when someone's not here anymore she's like it's not true like you can mourn what you thought it was going to be like you know give yourself time to do that she's like don't live there because you're they need you. And I was just like, okay, okay, no, she's right. She's right. And like, so I gave myself like a full weekend to just cry and scream as much as I wanted. And then I was like, okay, let's, this girl needs stuff. So we're just gonna adjust to adjust to new life. Um, I think that's but- a like quote, it's you mourn the dream. You don't mourn the child. You have plenty of time later for that right? If your child is with you right now, don't mourn them. They're here. They're perfect. They're beautiful. They're amazing. You can mourn the thought. You can mourn the dream, like you said, but don't mourn them because they're here. You have, you have time for that when that time comes. Right. And it's just a, it's a very important, um, it's a very important reminder, but it was also, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that unless there was a community of people out there who are who have not only have been through it who are currently going through it but maybe in a different stage um like that's why this di- the diagnoses are constantly coming there's always going to be new ones and they are going to reach out or they're going to look up lay syndrome on facebook or instagram and they're going to see us so it's like what are we are we encouraging like are we realistic and being like hey today sucks like you know but yesterday was amazing you know like so i, I try to think about that in in what um and what I post and I I still am partially ashamed that I'm like I should have posted about her leg and even now I can tell you like I'm still nervous when I think about it um but I looked at I looked it up not for Mido but you know other parents that are like oh yeah like you know my child has osteoporosis so we had to look at you know we had to do bone health and do this and this so I'm like okay it is out there there are people who are like yeah we didn't do anything and my kid broke his arm, you know, or like we went down the stairs too hard and, you know, there's a fracture and, and stuff. Like there's a story out there where you're like, as a parent, they're like, we didn't do anything. It just like happened. Um, so no matter how ridiculous you think your story sounds, there's one out there that's probably a little more ridiculous and realistic. Um, Megan, how do you feel like you, I know, it's been a little bit longer for you because Troy is 13, but how was it like in the beginning versus maybe like right now? Um, I think in the beginning, um, I definitely had to compartmentalize the fact that I was told that my child might not, you know, live to be four, five, six, you know, all the statistics with Mido, um, that they didn't know how long that they would live. And I really, you know, being a person that has high anxiety and worries about a lot of things like that was the unknown is like (laughs) the worst for me. So I really had to compartmentalize thinking about the fact that one day I would be without Troy. And, you know, it's something that I still have to do. Um, I'm a little bit better at it because he's 13 and thankfully he's been um, very healthy and um, we've had so many years with him and, you know, I feel very blessed and thankful and, but it, you know, it's, it's something you think about it because, you know, nobody should outlive their child. And um, for me, like I said, being somebody that worries about things, I literally have to give myself a little bit of time to think those thoughts and then I have to move on. 
and I have to say, okay, that was it. That's all you get. Let's, let's keep going. And I think, you know, that, yeah, that goes with what you were talking about when people say, oh, I don't know how you do it. It's like, I don't sit here and think about how do I do this? I just do it. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's how we get through. Yeah. Like you said, um, both of you said some days suck, some days are horrible. And, you know, I, you know, like even talking about that story where Troy fractured his jaw, um, that was, I even drive by that street today and, you know, where it happened and it just makes me feel sick inside. Mm -hmm. And, but you know what? we went through it, it happened. And, you know, we moved on and we got through it. Like we've done every other little up and ups and down. And that didn't even sound right. Ups and downs. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's just, you just do it. You just keep moving forward. You keep moving forward and you do the best that you can. And, you know, I, I think that that's having 13 years of that. Um, I'm not perfect. And I have those days, Um, where I question everything that I'm doing, you know, talking about Troy getting a vaccine tomorrow scares the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's like, I'm trying to make the best decision for him and for my family. And um, it's hard, it's hard, but you just do it. You just do it. And you keep going and you love that child. And like you said, you, you know, I, when I first met my husband and we were dating, I was like, we do things to Troy that are epic failures that we go and we, you know, we go to some Wiggles concert and we might be there five minutes. We might stay the whole time. We paid a hundred bucks for this. Who cares? We're, you know, if he enjoys it, then Mm -hmm. it was a success. And if it's a failure, we try something else and we do something else again, because we're going to make sure that this child experiences all that they can while they're here and we do the best we can for them. And so it's just, it's all of those little things that, you know, it's just, it's a different life and you take the joy and you move on from the things that are not as joyous and you get through things and you try not to think about what is possibly the inevitable. Um, I think you bring up a good point too. Of you, those thoughts are going to come and you need to allow them. You can't always push them back. Yes. Let yourself cry. Let yourself have a bad day let her say and even if that mom time or dad time is sorry there's a motorcycle that just went by (laughs) (laughs) it's if that's your time if that's like your 20 minutes to just ball your eyes out go sit in a car park in front of a beach a park or whatever cry your eyes out get it out go home brush it off and i'm not saying be fake and put a smile on your face but you gotta try Hey, some days you need to be super fake. Okay. Like (laughs) it doesn't matter who it's with either. You're just like, this is a total fake smile, but you would never know. I'm really, really bad at that. (laughs) My husband can tell I can't really fool him. If I'm like, no, I'm good. What do you mean? And he'll look at me like raise an eyebrow. I'll be like, oh, really? And I'll be like, okay, well, and it'll just come out. But you know, it's my parents or neighbor or whatever. I'm always like, today's awesome. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And then I go to the door and I'll be like, just move on. You know, like, like recently, like the guilt has been like, we realized it's time to get a van for Ruby, which is terrifying because we looked at the price of them. We're like, even a used one is like astronaut. Like I felt like really like I 
I believe it was the devil being like, what kind of parent are you? You can't afford a van like for your child. And I was just like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, you know, my husband has had to take me from, you know, 100 and bring it back down to a nine and being like, we're going to, we'll, we're going to do whatever we can. Okay. Like we can't control this. Okay. Like we didn't realize how quickly the time was coming because she's huge and she has an adapted car seat, which is just getting a little big for my car. That's just, you know, I mean, the girl is 42 inches tall. Like She's like three and a half feet. She's only like 35 pounds, but like, you know, it's kind of dead weight. So she's heavy and getting her in and out is, is tougher and my like crossover and stuff. And so that's like the new challenge, like we're facing, but you know, it's all we can, like, can't do much. You just gotta, you know, wait and see and do everything you can. And, but we're going to, because that's just the kind of parents and life that the Mito life requires, like, it requires you to think on your feet and being like, okay, we can't do this right now, but we've got a deadline of this. We just got to do everything we can and everything. It's just another thing when you're like, just when you didn't need something else thrown onto your pile, then it's like, oh, by the way, you're going to need a different car because your car can't fit her. Have fun. And then, you know, like the messenger just drops it on the, the pile and just takes off. And you're just like, great. This is great. So but it is finding joy in that life though. So you're like, like you said, Ashley, it's like, you're doing it for them and hoping that they don't ever see the bad days and they might. And you know what? That's okay too. We're humans. You know, we might be super, all of us, but we're going to show emotion once in a while. We're going to be like, this is really hard. And on that day, it's okay to recognize it. Like you said, Megan, like to recognize like this sucks right now. Um, I'm having these thoughts of not being, you know, good enough or not being able to, you know, provide enough or feeling weak or just feeling whatever, you know, feel them hundred percent, allow yourself to feel them. Uh, I'm bad at that. I usually am like, I don't have time to cry. So I'll just, I'll pack it away until later and I don't end up crying about it. And then it just builds up. So I got to get better about that too. But um, you both just bring up like such excellent points. And I feel like I should have taken notes this whole time and been like, mm, yes, yeah, I got to do that. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it and then I'm going to take some notes. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I get all my crying out on the podcast. <laughs> so, Sometimes I do and I, I, real, I know myself and I know when it's a snowball, like, okay, am I going to be able to stop it after a minute or two? Or is this going to be like a 20 minute one? And then I'm like, no, I got to suck that tear back in until later. Cause that'll be, a, it's going to be a long one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast again with us. And I looked it up earlier. I, we are almost exactly a year. You, we blasted our podcast with you on June 5th. It was wow. podcast number 11. Oh <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll just, we're going to post this on June 5th just to, to keep it organized. No. <laughs> It'll be our really? anniversary. <laughs> really yeah. quick. Oh, hi. Oh, she's so beautiful. <laughs> she woke up. Yeah. Hello. Oh, this is a smile. <laughs> I figure that'll be a sweet, a sweet send off. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I appreciate you too. Thank you for just not making me feel like a psycho with all these emotions that I have and all these feelings like that I have and just 
again, another way to just share Ruby and her and her personality and her story. And even though the leg fracture was a challenge, um, I really hope someone else can hear this and just not feel as guilty as I felt for something that wasn't your fault. And that's just going to happen. It's now a part of like the mito life. Um, now we just have to add bone health to the lists of things we have to look out for. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us. If, uh, and if you're listening in and you would like to listen to our first cast, first cast, first <laughs> podcast with Raquel, it is podcast 11. It was aired June 5th of 2020. Um, and yeah, if you have any suggestions or if you have any questions, or if you just want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us at mitopodcast.com. Excuse me, just kidding. Mitopodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, you can listen uh, or you can listen on Spotify. You can listen on mitopodcast.com or you can watch us on YouTube. So thank you again for, for joining us, Raquel. We really appreciate it and give Ruby a little kiss on her, on her chin, chin, chin for me. Yes. I will. Like Louise said on Freddie's episode where she's like, can we do this again next week? Or like, I felt that when she said that. I was like, oh, amen, girl. You're all making me amen. Tons we, of times. We, should, we should do like a big mom podcast where there's a bunch of uh, us. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> We're actually going to have her back um, in a couple of weeks too. We just had some scheduling. We, right now we have a lot going on in the Mito world. <laughs> this whole month has been really, really crazy with the 5k and all the podcasts that we have going on. So we had some scheduling issues on, on our end, but we're, we're going to have her back too. Love you, Louise. <laughs> all right everybody i hope you have a great evening or morning day whenever you're listening to us thank you for listening. <laughs>